just to bring us up to speed for those who are, who are new or haven't come for the last several months. So Peter is one, was one of Jesus' closest disciples, right? He had the crowds, he had the 72, he had the 12, and then he had the three. And Peter was in that group of three. So for the last three or four years of Jesus' public ministry, Peter was right in it, saw things that no one else saw. Um, now he's a leader of the church. You know, God, Jesus said, to you, I'm going to give the, key, the keys of the kingdom, so to speak. And he was the leader of the early church. And now he's an old man, right? And he's writing to these um, Gentile believers in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And he's, he's going he's gonna to die soon. And he wants to pass the baton, encourage these group of churches. These churches are experiencing persecution and difficulty. And in chapter 1, we saw, you know, he talks about we are born again to a living hope that we're born again, and because of that, we can love others and be holy. In chapter 2, he talked about, uh, he gave some metaphors of being like a living stone built on the foundation stone of Jesus, right? And because of that, we can be holy people. He also talked about submitting to the social role, submitting to the emperor, to masters. In chapter 3, he continues that, wives submitting to husbands. Um, and it talks about blessing others, by doing good, even those who hurt us, which is kind of the main theme, like when people are persecuting, what do you do? So he's like, you still love them, like Jesus. In chapter 4, he talks about being good stewards of the time by putting away the desires of the flesh. Like the time has passed for you to be doing what the Gentiles long to do, which is evil. But now you can be willing to suffer because Jesus suffered and use this time for the kingdom of God. In chapter 5, he talked about elders and congregations and humility and about the devil prowling around looking for someone to devour and to be alert, to be sober-minded. So that's the book of Peter. And we're going to read, I like to have a scripture reference in front of us. This is, I would say this probably encapsulates what Peter is about. And this is in uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials." So, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have seen him, you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So, uh, next slide. So this is what gold is purified, right? Not like regular gold, unrefined, just a rock with some gold fragments. And through fire and through heat, it is refined into something beautiful. And this is, the, if I were to pick one theme, one question that Peter is answering, the question is, is it worth it to follow Jesus in light of suffering and persecution? Is it worth it? 
because these people are suffering. I told you they, they were the, the, their Jewish brethren are separated from them. They're cast out. And then the Roman government on top of that is beginning to persecute them. They didn't have the religious freedoms that the Jewish people did because it was becoming more and more known that these Christians are not the, the, the ancient Juda, uh, Judaic religion. They're a, different, they're a different group because they believe the Messiah has come. So they're getting suffering from both sides. And the answer that Peter's answering is yes, because he saved us and that he will bring us safely into his eternal kingdom. So first, there is suffering in this life, right? There are trials and temptations. Verse 6, grieved by trials. So Peter doesn't gloss over that and say, it's no big deal because you're going to be with him forever. No, you are, these are, these, there's grief, right? As Emily talked about, there's, there's, we've all experienced grief and difficulty and suffering and pain. And that is part of the, the, li- the life of all people and especially of Christians, right? It says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So even unbelievers experience grief and pain. And we've, you know, this grief and this, the, the abuse they've received can be alienation, as they have been by the Jews, shame, um, people hurting them outside the church. And for many of us experience, this is not explicitly in the text, but within the church, people have hurt us, right? We are imperfect people. That's what the church is. And we've been hurt inside and outside the church. So there's questions. People have questions like, so if I'm not healed... Is God still there? Does he still love me? Is he still with me? If I'm going through difficult circumstances, that like I don't, I don't know why I'm in them. So these people, in, and we ask these questions. I ask these questions all the time. Like, so why is this happening, God? Like, I'm praying to you. I love you. I want to be close to you. But this is hard. And that's why Peter says, you know, do not be surprised by these fiery trials, he calls them heat and flame and difficulty and molding and we all have temptations and weakness and brokenness however it is not meaningless right it says in the psalms that god stores our tears in his bottle and that refinement that happens often only happens through difficulty we love to say that we can just naturally casually like a lazy river make our way towards God and holiness. But often it's the pain, it's the difficulty that does that. So there is suffering, but we can still trust him because he saved us, right? Jesus came to save us. And not just from other people, not just the Jews were thinking that he would save them from the Roman Empire, and have their own kingdom, but save us from ourselves because we have a natural bent towards self-destruction, as you can see in many people in this land and, and throughout the world. People destroy themselves through addictions and compulsions and all kinds of problems that they have. And from the devil, he talks about like a prowling lion. We were enslaved to the kingdom of darkness, it says. But because of Jesus's great mercy... Right? We deserved a life of futility and ultimately hell and separation from God. That's what we deserve because we lived a life separate from God. We wanted, we wanted to do our own things. But Jesus rescued us. Right? He suffered. He lived a perfect life. The Bible declares that he was sinless. None of us can claim that. 
And he didn't just live a sinless life and go back to the Father. No, he suffered. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was crucified to death. And not only was he physically tortured, he was also spiritually tortured because God put on him all of my sin, Chris's sin, and your sin, and all the sins you will ever commit in the future if you believe in him. Right? He did not deserve to take our sin, right? Because we committed it. We have committed it. We will commit it. But he took it. And that's unjust suffering, right? The penalty for our sin, past, present, and future. And then he died. Suffered enough to die. And then he rose again on the third day, declaring that the sacrifice was accepted and that there is a future hope for all those who believe in him. So if we believe, we are saved, right? And like Jesus, if we suffer, we are becoming more like Jesus because Jesus suffered unjustly. And if you have suffered unjustly, you'll be more like Jesus. Amen? Additionally, the trials and temptations we go through, they test our faith, right? The, the crucible of life sometimes and the, and, the, and the grief and the pain, they test our faith so that we ourselves know as believers that this is real. Right? It's easy to, be a, to have a prayer when you're 10 years old and your life is easy and there's no problems. Right? But when, when things get hard, when you don't have answers to questions, when you are confused about things, when you are being attacked, that shows the value and the, the, the firmness and the, the gold-like qualities of your faith. Just like, you know, the difference between a degree and a job, right? The degree says on paper, I've learned all this stuff, but you don't really know what you've learned until you actually get a job, right? And then you're using it. You are, you are doing what you're supposed to do, like a soldier, right? A soldier, when he joins the army, he's a soldier, but when he goes to war, then he knows that he is a soldier for his government, right? Because he's doing the fighting. And same for us as believers. As we fight the difficulties in this life, and we reach out to God, and even if he doesn't answer us right away, that is proving the value of our faith. That is what makes it gold. So it, he saves us initially, and, the, and, he, and the, that salvation is tested by the trials that we go through. And then also because he will bring us into his eternal kingdom. Like verse 9 says, the outcome of our faith, the end result is the salvation of our souls. Right? We believe, we suffer, it is tested, we have confidence in him, and then one day this will all just be a memory as we're in his kingdom forever. And we will, we will be with him physically, bodily. Our bodies will be resurrected with our souls and we'll meet him in the clouds and we'll be with him forever. And this is not just a place where we are baby angels fluffing around singing songs. No. There will be worship, there will be work, there will be play, there will be travel, there will be discovery, there will be learning, but without the harmful effects of sin that make it so difficult, right? Without sin, without suffering, without loss, there will be joy forever. As, you know, as Phil said, you know, we might not see him again in this life, but we will see him in eternity forever. Maybe we'll be doing some work together, building something, learning something, enjoying something. 
heaven is real. It's physical, right? And it's spiritual. Yes, and of course, there's, there's, there's relief from pain in this life. Jesus does that. Does that. He says, you know, there's a hundredfold in this life and in the next for following Jesus. But we also know, as, as, as J.R.R. Tolkien said, that love is mingled with grief in all lands on our earth. I've experienced many wonderful things and also many painful things, and so have you. But in, in heaven, Jesus will wipe the tears from our eyes. Every tear will be wiped away. So some of us may be crying till we get to Jesus, as I've said before, but he will wipe those tears away, and he will hold us and say, you are safe now. You are safe from all those things that could hurt you. And you will be with him forever and enjoying all the blessings that you have. I have this one final quote from uh, 1 Peter, and it says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So you can trust and believe that being a Christian following him is valuable even in the light of suffering and difficulty and temptation because even though those things do exist, he saved us and he tests our faith and he will finally one day bring us into his eternal kingdom. Amen? We're now going to move into a time of communion. Communion, like baptism, is a public declaration and a regular declaration that we say we believe in Jesus we love him we know his covenants right as in the Old Testament they put the blood of a lamb on a doorpost so the destroyer the last plague would not kill the children of Israel and Jesus takes that time that same Passover time and says I'm gonna make this a new covenant with you the bread, the bitter herbs and bread, the flat bread. I think they even call it matzah, right? That is, he's saying this is more than just your freedom from captivity in Egypt, but this represents now my body, which is broken for you, so you can have true freedom. Freedom not just from a, a foreign army or enemy, but from ourselves, from the, the life of bondage and sin. And the wine, the grape juice, symbolizes, he takes the, the cup after supper and says, this, which was a common tradition, this represents now my blood, the blood of the new covenant. The old covenant was a covenant of works and of law, which the people could not keep, and that was to show that he could not keep it. He says, this is a new covenant. I'm going to bleed to death. I'm going to suffer and take your sins, and that you who believe in me will rem remind yourselves of what I did for you so you can have true freedom from true bondage and be with him and be saved knowing 100% your salvation in this place. That's what it means. So we're going to, um, you can come up. We're gonna, we have open communion at CSC. So if you know that you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, died on your, in your place on the cross for your sins, and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to come up and take the bread and the juice. We'll take it, and then I will read you a scripture, and we'll take it together. So you could, you're welcome to grab it. I think there's, it's here and in the back.
or just here? So you can come take it now. to clarify, if you are not sure where you are with your journey with Jesus, you're welcome just to sit and enjoy the music as we do this. There's no pressure if you don't feel comfortable, if you're not ready, if you want more time to think about it, um, you're just welcome to sit and enjoy the music. says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus as we take this bread and symbolize his broken body on the cross. same way also he took the cup 
after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant of salvation by trusting in his blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And like I said, he's coming back. So we're looking back at Jesus and what he did for us, but we're also looking forward to what he, when he's going to come and rescue us from this life and we'll be with him forever. So let's take the cup together. Let's stand up on our feet. We'll do one final song and then I will give you the benediction and bless the food for lunch. Jesus All for Jesus And all I am and have And ever hope to be Sing Jesus
and ever hope to be. Let's sing all of my all of my ambitions, hopes, and plans. I you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And God, I pray for the food that we're about to partake in the lunch at the Marina Mall, that you would just bless that food to our bodies. You'd bless the fellowship. You'd be in and among our conversations and bless these people as they go out. We ask for this in your great name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's plenty of tea and coffee and snacks afterwards, so don't run out of here. Test one, two, test, 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 test.